You're listening to a Soulfire Productions podcast. Welcome to Wellness Realness, where we get very real about all things health and wellness, physical, mental, financial, and spiritual. I'm your host, Christina Rice, a nutritional therapy practitioner and energy healer turned holistic business coach for ambitious entrepreneurs. And I'm here to help you up-level every aspect of your life. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You can find an endless amount of content from me and join my online membership at christinaricewellness.com. And if you want exclusive behind-the-scenes content and my most unfiltered self, DM a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review to Wellness Realness Crew on Instagram and request to follow my super secret account. You can also join the Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe Facebook group to hang out with other listeners in the crew. Get ready for some wellness realness. Today, I have a very special guest. This was the last podcast I recorded in person with someone before shelter in place took effect. I went up to Los Angeles and visited my friend Brian Sanders, who is the filmmaker behind the feature length documentary Food Lies and host of the Peak Human podcast. Brian has a really interesting story. He graduated from UCLA with a degree in mechanical engineering and then turned to technology and sold an app company. And his own health journey really inspired him to start getting interested in fitness and nutrition. And then eventually he started working as a health coach and became the co-founder of the health media and technology company Sapien. Brian has an amazing podcast, so please go listen to Peak Human if you haven't already. And he's one of my favorite people to follow on social media because his posts are very informative and also crack me up. You can find him on Instagram at food.lies and check out more from him at sapien.org. In this episode, we talk about what sapient is, what that means. We talk about common arguments that vegans give for why we should be avoiding animal products and Brian's responses to those arguments. We discuss balancing macronutrient ratios and how high-carb, low-fat diets and low-carb, high-fat diets can both work, but which he believes is optimal and why, as well as diving into his own health journey. A lot of amazing content in this episode. You guys are going to absolutely love it. Many of you might know that one of my 2020 goals was consuming collagen consistently this year because I feel my best when I do. I notice that my hair grows faster, it's stronger, my nails are much stronger and they also grow faster, my skin looks better, my recovery is better from workouts, my joints aren't as achy, sometimes I get that because of my autoimmune symptoms, and I see huge improvements with my gut health. Collagen is incredible for gut health and digestion, and that's why I'm so excited to tell you guys about my current favorite collagen, which is from Further Food. This is a company that I first found a few years ago when I was living in LA. I actually first tried their collagen when I was in college and fell in love with it. Further Food is a mission-driven, women-owned supplement company that creates the highest quality real food-based supplements out there to further your health naturally. You know I love to support women-owned businesses and Further Food really aligns with my values. They're all about modern nutrition rooted in ancient remedies. They create products that work for everybody. They're free from gluten, soy, sugar, dairy. They're keto and paleo. And they are setting a new standard for purity. 
There are so many collagen supplements out there on the market, but the quality of Further Food just sets them apart. They source their collagen peptides from grass-fed, pasture-raised cattle that feed on organic grass on their farms in South America, and their marine collagen peptides are sourced from the skin of wild-caught North Atlantic codfish off the coast of Canada. Everything is sustainably sourced, tasteless, and dissolves really easily. Their chocolate and vanilla collagen peptides are the only flavored collagen peptides on the market that don't have any additives or fillers, and they are so delicious. Their chocolate collagen has reishi mushroom for its immune-boosting benefits, and their vanilla collagen has tremella mushroom, which is great for supporting the hydration of your skin. So whether you want flavorless collagen peptides or chocolate or vanilla-flavored, side note, their chocolate can be mixed with water or nut milk, and it makes a delicious hot chocolate drink pro tip, they have an option for you. And you can also head to their website and find some of their other amazing superfood supplements and products like their matcha, their turmeric tonic, and their ashwagandha. So if you want to get your hands on the highest quality collagen out there on the market, just go to furtherfood.com and you can use my code wellness for 10% off. Again, that's furtherfood.com, F-U-R-T-H-E-R-F-O-O-D.com and use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 10% off any products on their website. Are you ready to get animated? I am. Yeah, I hope so. So how are you feeling about coronavirus? Uh, I'm not too worried. I just traveled for the past <laughs> week, so I'm, I'm ignoring all the advice. And it was on a packed airplane and packed trains in Denver. What advice do you have for people? Uh, don't panic. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't go out and buy all the food from the stores and cause a scene. <laughs> and the, uh, I think you should just focus on your own health Mm -hmm. and get good sleep and work on your own immune system and and you'll be fine okay so but what does that mean to focus on your own health well everything we talk about (laughs) so we're making a whole film about it so (laughs) it's a lot but i so i changed my whole whole immune system by just changing the way i ate and i was always thin Mm -hmm. this is kind of the thing where people think if you're thin you're healthy and I, I wasn't as thin as I'm now, you know, I, I was actually size 32 waist, now I'm a size 28 waist, but I've never counted calories. I've never tracked my macros, anything, but I made one change in how I ate and I dropped four pant sizes and I haven't been sick since. And when was that? That was three years ago. That was three years ago? Yeah. Wow. Okay. How did you grow up? What were you like growing up? I grew up in Hawaii and I ate rice with every meal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, so I grew up, at, yeah, playing sports and all that. So I always maintain my weight just because I was active and you're young and you can eat whatever you want. Uh, and I actually looking back in college, I was very unhealthy. The only time I've ever got cavities in my whole life was during my college years. Where did you go? I went to UCLA. Oh, so was, same. Did you? Go Bruins. Oh, yeah. Not at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I'm an old man. Now I'm 36. So the only time I got cavities was when I was eating poorly. So anyone who knows Weston Price and all mm-hmm. that nutrition, physical degeneration stuff, your teeth are a huge indicator of your overall health. So mm-hmm. it makes sense the time I was eating, you know, microwave nachos for my meals, <laughs> yeah. so I got cavities. But yeah. so it was so yes, I kind of maintained weight my whole life, kind of, but I was unhealthy. Mm-hmm. You know, and you keep you getting older, and you just can't eat as like you used to. And then, yeah. and then all of a sudden, well, I guess I'll just tell my story. Yeah, please <laughs> it, do. Is halfway my, in. <laughs> yeah, my my parents got sick, so it was 
probably around six years ago. Mm. So I was around 30 and lost both my parents, basically. Oh. Like, it was crazy. You know, they were, they seemed normal. They were not obese. They did not have type 2 diabetes. They didn't have anything. But my dad got cancer and my mom got Alzheimer's. Wow. Yeah. And so that kind of woke me up. So that's where my health journey started. It was about six years ago, five years ago, something around there. And I started down this path, but it wasn't till I truly got, you know, fat adapted and really changed my diet three years ago is when all the, the major changes happened. But mm -hmm. so back six years ago, I obviously was woken up to what am I doing? I don't want to fall to the same fate. You know, this is terrible. They're not that old. And they weren't. How old are they? Uh, they, my dad was 72 and my mom was 67, mm. something like that. So they, we, we followed the food permit. I was kind of looking back. I was like, what did we eat growing up? My parents were very like thrifty. They're not like wanting to go out to eat all the time, that kind of thing. We went to McDonald's, you know, once a month. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, we weren't eating fast food. We weren't eating trash, right? We ate home cooked meals. We yeah. cooked our own food. We were, it was following the food pyramid. All right, so this is why I got so fired up about this and making a film about it. It's like, we followed the food pyramid. We ate whole foods, but we're eating, you know, rice and pasta and bread and low-fat this, low-fat that. And it gradually ruined their health, mm -hmm. but not overtly. They weren't gigantic people. They had just the dad bod. It's like, oh, yeah. you just have like a yeah. pooch or whatever. <laughs> you know, you have like a little belly. And everyone thinks the little belly is normal. Mm -hmm. but it's not that's a sign of disease really mm -hmm. like this is like visceral fat and insulin resistance really showing and i think that's what happened with my mom is that you know alzheimer's is like insulin resistance of the brain and uh yeah so that that woke me up i then i watched what the health two and a half years ago and I decided to make a film. You jumped like 60 <laughs> steps. Okay, okay. So your parents got sick. That woke you up, right? So then what? You turned to the internet? Like how, what happened mm. next? Then I, my friends. So I'm really into this thing of your tribe and your friends. And I think it's very crucial to have people around you. And so that's how it worked with me is I saw they were getting... They were before me. Mm. They were before me. <laughs> they were the, the chosen ones before yeah, me. <laughs> for real. They they okay. read the Primal Blueprint, you yeah. know, Mark Sisson's book, and they figured it out probably three years before me. Mm. And I was like, huh, why does he look so healthy? These guys look amazing. You why, know? why are your friends into that? I don't know. You have to ask them. Maybe you have them on. No, are they friends from UCLA? Or they're what friends kind of from friends high school. They? They're people oh, okay. I grew up with. Oh, and, interesting. And they just sent me some of their before and after photos, and it's, it's amazing. They yeah. were... They looked like just sausages. They were just <laughs> circles. They were just circles everywhere. <laughs> they'll, they'll love that I'm describing them as this, but they, they probably describe themselves as this, like little blobs, bubbles. But And it's amazing changes, and, and they felt amazing, and they didn't, they didn't like pressure me about it. They're kind of like, hey, here's a... And then, yeah, I kind of gradually got more and more on board, and, mm -hmm. and then, yeah. So you got into the primal blueprint. Yeah. Went primal. Went primal, but I didn't even go all in. So this was what was interesting about three years ago when I talk about that real shift mm -hmm. is I was still trying to do like semi, like kind of low carb, but I'd like keep in bread or tortillas and something like once a day. So that's not low so, carb. No, I know. This is what I'm saying. I, <laughs> yeah. I went on this journey. Like I was, I was yeah. trying to figure it out because also because I could stay in shape because I've always been athletic and, mm -hmm. you know, I work out and all that. But this is the big thing. So I was eating my carbs once a day and, it, you know, I was eating like a breakfast sandwich and, you know, I had all the all homemade and then I had Whole Foods at night with no carbs. 
and I was, I thought I was doing fine, but then there was that time when I finally read enough of these, I kept reading more books and getting more into it and watching more lectures. And then I was like, Hey, I'm going to go in. So three years ago, cut that out. And then the most amazing things changed, dropped all that weight, felt amazing. You know, it's just going keto. Basically, I actually got fat adapted. And then that's when I was telling you offline about my overuse injuries for yeah. 10 years. I had these overuse injuries. I was, I was a mechanical engineer working these office jobs 10 years since 2010 wouldn't go away. And then, so I guess seven years, you know, three years ago, completely went away for the first time when I finally got fat adapted, you know, got the inf this inflammation down. It's such an incredible story because people, I think people now can connect the diet to weight, obviously, and like digestive issues and even mood, but people don't think of like literally like your, your hands, your arms, like it can affect chronic pain, right? It's amazing. And people think they're healthy. This is what got me fired up. I was like, I thought I was a picture of health. <laughs> I'm fired up. <laughs> I am, this is me fired up. I am fired up. I am not a robot. No. I thought I was a picture of health. Yeah. And I was not. So, so I'm looking back and I'm like, wow, how many people have chronic pain? Mm -hmm. How many people have digestive issues that they think are normal? Uh, yeah, I remember I would, I would have heartburn like all the time. I'm just like, oh, this is part of life. You just yeah. have heartburn or you feel bloated or you blah, blah, blah. It's not. There's mm -hmm. so many things that are you're like, oh, everyone's like, haha, you know, you're tired at 2 p.m. Oh, yeah, it's so funny. You're yeah. tired at 2. Like, no, you don't have to be tired at 2 p.m. You're yeah. just eating the wrong foods. <laughs> so you you basically went straight to keto. Did you ever just do regular paleo? Well, no, I did low carb. See, that's the thing. I was doing low carb where mm -hmm. I was having under 100 grams of carb, but it was bread and pasta. So, that's so you didn't just do regular paleo, so I though. Did not do regular paleo. Have you ever tested? Are you still are you in ketosis? Do you know? I am in ketosis all week, and then on mm -hmm. the weekends I stray from ketosis. Okay, is that just because of lifestyle or on purpose for I've backed, metabolic benefits? I've backed into it and pretend it's on purpose. Mm -hmm. I see. <laughs> no, I, you know what I mean? I back yeah. in. I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I do it. No. Yeah. No, no. I, I think I don't want to be in ketosis 24 seven. Mm -hmm. That's just me. I, I think some people should and could and would mm -hmm. want to. I like to be metabolically flexible Yeah. and I like to enjoy life. But although I, I hate to say that because you can enjoy life and mm -hmm. not eat certain foods. Yeah. But for me, Maybe it's because I have all these friends that live around me and want to do whatever. And yeah. they, they look to me as this, this health person, like, oh, this guy's a crazy health person. And then it, I, I think it kind of is a benefit because then they see me like, oh, I'll eat a pizza with them. And they're like, oh, look, I mean, he's not crazy. Yeah. He's eating pizza with me. Yeah. And then they kind of, then they ask me more questions and they're like, oh, well, how do I do this? So I think it's kind of a good thing. Yeah. To yeah. show people to, it's approachable. It's approach if you can. But mm -hmm. then there's people who... You, want, you have issues and you, you don't want to just mess around like yeah. I do on the weekends. 100%. I mean, like, that's for me. Like, actually, last time I went to Hawaii, I was like, oh, I'm just going to eat regular paleo and not worry about anything else. And I felt like total shit the whole time. I could not enjoy the whole trip. I was, like, sick half the trip. And I'm like, really? well, I'm not enjoying life, right? Mm. So it's like it really comes down to, like, what's going to allow you to enjoy your life, right? And I think anyone who has a health issue it's like if that's flaring up you're not enjoying it so would you rather have the pizza or be able to function mm -hmm. i'd rather function <laughs> absolutely there's all these caveats yeah and, yeah and for me i found a way maybe it's because i caught it early i feel like i'm i'm lucky that you know because my parents woke me up 
30. Most people catch this when they're 40 and maybe yeah. they already have gut issues and all this stuff. So yeah. I, I always say I can do it because I was pretty healthy and yeah. pretty early. Were the benefits like overnight? Did you wake up and you're like, oh, I don't have any pain or was it slow? It was kind of slow. It was over a month or two. Mm-hmm. But this is the thing. I remember, I was like, yeah, well, one day it was kind of like, it hit me. Mm-hmm. And then a couple months went by and then this was a Super Bowl. I don't remember the timing, but I ate all these other foods, right? I had all this people over. I had leftover foods and it came back. Yeah. So I remember because I, then they, I had the leftovers for like a couple more days. Yeah. So it was like four days. Interesting. So you think yeah. it's like the grains? I think it's the, the grain. gluten. But I've had zero problems with gluten. I could eat gluten right now and be fine. It's crazy. So. So what is it? I think, no, no. I think it is the grains. It's just. It's the chronic eating of them. Okay. So I have two things. One is the frequency of eating it. Mm-hmm. And then also I think all people might have a gluten intolerance. Just no one knows it. Do you, what, do you, what are your opinions on gluten? You've interviewed a lot of people. Yeah. I think it's bad for everyone and people just don't know it. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. <laughs> so before, it's funny because a couple of years ago, I thought I, w- I was the guy making fun of people who are gluten free. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, w- I didn't know anything a few years back. And and now I'm completely switched and and think it kind of is bad for everyone. And even though you think you're, I was a guy. I was like, I'm fine. I'm eating bread. Mm-hmm. Took the bread out. Worlds of difference. No, I mean it is bad for everybody. There's science. It causes inflammation in everybody. And I think for a lot of people, it's just going to the brain. And we're not seeing that until they're 60, 70, 80, yep. right? And it's like, do you want to deal with it an hour later? So I was just curious. Okay, so benefits. You're feeling great, and then. Then what? You're like, I'm going to make a movie? Yeah, Did that kinda. just immediately happen or what happened? Yeah, well, I got into tech after I did the engineering thing. And mm-hmm. so, I, you know, I've always been on this journey of gaining skills and experiences. And then I grew up with film. So the two guys I mentioned are two guys I grew up with that got me into this. Okay, it's come back around. So got into tech, got out of this experience. Then I started working in L.A. randomly with like sketch comedy. I was getting back into the film world a little bit. And then I saw What the Health. And yeah, so when I saw What the Health, I realized we need to get the correct information out there. This is bogus. And that I could make a film. I was just like, why, why, why couldn't I make it? Yeah. And, that, and then I got these other two guys involved and they happened to be a director and a writer. And uh-huh. we, we've just been on our journey ever since. That's so funny because I always just assumed you studied film. No, no, you don't have to. To make a documentary, all you have to be is an idiot and want to <laughs> ruin your life and have make no money. Okay, okay. When did you start the podcast? Uh, two years, two and a half years ago. I started interviewing all these people for the mm-hmm. film. And yeah, that's when I realized, why would I not do a podcast? Yeah. Again? In interviewing so many people, has there been, have there been any interviews that were just totally paradigm shifting for you? Yeah, actually. So... I've done 72 podcasts. I've have th- over 30 people in the film and I've had probably over 70 other unofficial interviews. So I've talked to tons and tons of people. So, so overall, I'm trying to be trying to get all sides of nutrition, mm-hmm. right? This is my goal is to not go down one route. And mm-hmm. that's why I didn't want to make a film that's like this is the keto film or just you got to do keto keto. It's like I want to look at all sides. So the real game-changing interview was with... Don't use that term. This is the real game-changer. Yeah. It's, uh, the real groundbreaking interview was with Denise Minger. I don't know if anyone's heard of her. She's not like super popular or anything, but she wrote a book called Death by Food Pyramid. Mm. 
and she was a longtime vegan and then completely ruined her health and started eating animal foods again and studied Weston Price and completely changed her ways and feels great. Mm-hmm. But she really opened my eyes to why both sides can work, right? We've chosen a side. Well, for one- Both we- sides- what do you mean? There's two different ways to be healthy. And I think one is optimum. Mm-hmm. And it's this, you know, high fat animal foods route, I think is ideal human mm-hmm. diet. But it opened my eyes to how someone could have a different version of that and still be healthy. Mm-hmm. She opened my eyes. So I watched some of her presentations. Okay. Vegans, they <laughs> they get their worlds broken by me. Like <laughs> yeah. Sean Baker is ruining their worlds, right? I know. He's, so, he's intense. But he, they're like, why is this guy doing well Mm -hmm. right it's like all these people who are michaela peterson or other famous examples of people healing themselves it doesn't make sense under their paradigm Mm -hmm. right so before i realized that there's two different ways to do things that would have ruined my paradigm if someone brought up the kitavans or the simane in bolivia and the okinawans and it's like oh but they're eating very low animal foods and low fat Mm -hmm. and like that didn't make sense to me before Mm -hmm. right years ago i was like oh you know they're just of a good lifestyle or they, I don't know. I didn't really have all the explanations, but she kind of opened my eyes to, there's kind of two paths to go. I'm going to use my hands, which isn't good on a podcast, <laughs> but you have, you have an array. We're, we're, we're doing two sides of the, like yeah. a speedometer, yeah. right? You, you have like the one side, the way on the left and it's the low fat. And then way on the right, you have the high fat. Mm-hmm. And then everyone in the middle is a mess. Or it's like yeah. a fan shape, right? You have the fan totally. shape. Everyone in the middle is a, a nightmare. There's a standard Western diets. The people on the extreme sides are doing okay. Mm-hmm. And then I just started interviewing more people and think about it more and realizing that it's really the combination of going high fat and high carb at the same time. Yeah. And that if, you, if you don't do that, you're going to be pretty good. And then there's the optimum way, which I think is the animal foods side. Have you gotten into any of the research on the high carb, low fat side of things? A bit. I mean, I couldn't recite it to you. Or, or you know. Oh, I'm just wondering because I got really into it about a year ago because I did the potato diet as mm. an experiment. And I was super, I felt like I was in ketosis. It was bizarre. I was like, why do I feel so good eating literally just potatoes? So then I started diving into it and I realized it's like that 20%, like 10 to 20% fat threshold. Like if you're below it, you can feel great. And that therapeutically was used to reverse a lot of like, diabetes, heart disease, like in the 40s, 50s. Did you check that? Yeah, and it's like no one really talks about it, but I think to your point, that's just unrealistic for life. And you're also missing out on like fat, which you need for hormones, et cetera. Exactly, exactly. So it's not ideal. And we I want to talk more about some of these details, but it is possible. And mm-hmm. I want to let people know that it is possible. And then once you see both sides of nutrition, you understand both sides, then I feel like I can't be taken down. It's not like someone's going to poke holes in my arguments yeah. and you, you just feel great. You know, I feel like I'm <laughs> on like, top of No, I'm invincible. I'm invincible. I'm serious. No one can fuck with me. <laughs> you do have this like cocky attitude. You know, once you understand it, you're like, I understand it. I'm the yeah. man. I'm the man. Oh, oh God. No, no, I'm, just, I'm kind of joking, but you yeah. kind of just know all, uh, it's like you- people, It all works. Well, people say you see through the matrix. Mm-hmm. It's like once you get this, you see through the matrix. And I see people online who aren't quite there yet. They don't see through the matrix yet. And they're like, oh, Brian, like, why, why did this happen? Or what, what's going, you know what I mean? They mm-hmm. just don't get it yet. I'm like, yeah. Well. So, you know, Dr. Ted Naiman, mm-hmm. he, he's the best. So he wrote a book called The P to E Diet, Protein Energy Ratio. And he kind of explains these different sides and just how fat 
oxidation you know glucose like how your body can use fat and carbs and it has to use the carbs first and we don't have a storage system for the carbohydrates and mm-hmm. you know it's like kind of this oxidative priority and you can he has great diagrams explaining this that if you go low fat enough it's fine because your body doesn't have any fat to store so it just keeps using the carbs and so also you're you might be in a state of ketosis you're saying like you felt like you you, you probably were yeah, I felt like I was and I didn't have any ketone strips on me because I wasn't expecting that, right? Yeah. And so then that's when I started diving into kind of like some science behind that and looking into some studies like like Duke had in their archives had a bunch of really cool stuff. Um, and some people had written about it and they were calling it carbosis. That's mm. what they called it. It's like, but you have to be very below, low fat. Super low fat. Yeah. And if anyone's interested, Ted Naiman makes it really visual Mm -hmm. and you can understand it and his book is great i'll endorse him forever Mm -hmm. i love him and it'll you can see these diagrams and break it down but yes i think well also you're 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 calorie restricted too i mean if you're just eating potatoes Mm -hmm. it's very hard to eat enough calories so i didn't have a problem but (laughs) were you crushing potatoes i was crushing potatoes i turned a little orange (laughs) oh my god but there are people in the middle who do who feel fine so I have a grease pencil in my shower and I draw diagrams on the wall <laughs> and I have my fan shape Yeah. and the people on the left and the right are okay. And I, and it's funny because they're very opposite. Mm-hmm. So it's like the, the vegan people are like, protein's meaningless. Mm-hmm. And then we're like focused on protein. Yeah. And then they're like, we're like, we're like fiber's meaningless. Mm-hmm. Like fiber's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And, then, and what we both can agree on is don't count calories. Yeah. This is going to come around. So we're both saying... Hey, you don't have to count calories. And we're both saying whole foods. Mm-hmm. So the two things in common, whole foods, don't count calories. The opposites are, it's all about protein. The fiber's opposite. They're about eat frequently. eat, mm-hmm. And we're about eat infrequently. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to uh, high fat, low fat, right? Very opposite. Then I have a small strip in the middle of my <laughs> fan. And these are the people who count calories. And they're like, it's all about moderation. If it fits your macros, flexible dieting calorie count so these people the i think the only way to do it those people in the middle that they need they track they count so we're don't count calories they're Mm -hmm. like all that matters is counting calories Mm -hmm. so there's this thin strip of people and then and we're like high fat low fat opposites high protein low they're all of theirs is mix it's Mm -hmm. like mix 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 count calories Mm -hmm. right so they are you can eat fat and protein. Like, don't restrict foods. Like, mm-hmm. they have all their their message is kind of always in the middle. Yeah, and it works if you are an athlete. A lot of times it works because you're burning a lot of calories, or if you're just one of those people that likes to track or wants to track. Mm-hmm. So really, it's not all in the middle. It's the fan shape with the very thin edges, and then the thin one down the middle. Uh, so, what do you consider high fat and low fat? Um, what percentage would you say? Well. I don't like to track, but I mean, anything more than what the guidelines are is, is but, high fat. Well, but I'm trying to figure out where, where are your little Oh, I'm talking slivers. about like, well, really, I mean, eight, you know, some people doing like a therapeutic keto mm-hmm. diet that's like 80% fat. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like the highest. See, fat. to me though, the issue is like, I always go back to ancestral eating and when it's like, like I tried the PKD and like, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is not feel normal. Like this doesn't seem ancestral to me, right? Not really. I mean, unless you had like a... <laughs> whale yeah and you're like eating whale blubber yeah but but yeah no i don't i don't believe in that i mean my thing is the sapien diet i I say focus on protein first i build my real yeah so what's the sapien diet (laughs) brian please illuminate me (laughs) she's trying to make fun of me because i couldn't explain it well because the sapien diet is 
is an animal-based diet. It's similar mm-hmm. to keto and carnivore and paleo. It's animal-based. It's whole foods-based. Mm-hmm. It's I say focus on protein, embrace fat, minimize carbs. So I build a meal around the protein. And yes, it comes with fat. Mm-hmm. But I'm not all at keto world or like these PKDs, like 80% fat. Mm-hmm. No, just focus on protein. Build your meal around protein. Fat's going to come with it and then minimize the carbs. And if it's whole foods, then you're set. And if you're not always eating, the third thing is just don't always eat, which, you know, condensed eating window. So what would a plate look like? Well, just a hunk of meat in the middle, mm-hmm. whatever you want. I make big patties of, of lamb or beef. I have primal ground beef that has organs mixed in that I sell at nose to tail. It's mm-hmm. my company, shameless plug. <laughs> but They're sold out? They're sold out, so you can't <laughs> buy any. But it, uh, Check back later. Yeah, so I build it around a hunk of meat or a steak, and then I'll have my sides, which are fermented vegetables mm-hmm. or avocado. I have usually have some eggs, mm-hmm. and that's about it. I mean, I think there's this ideal human diet that – everyone can do well on you don't have to do it but i think everyone could do well on it Mm -hmm. and that's getting 90 percent of your calories from animal foods and then the rest from these low sugar low anti-nutrient plant foods so i like to keep those in some people are like you know carnivores away so here's my question there so i've been deep in the reddit forums all Mm -hmm. right i don't know if you dive deep in there but i i I dive deep in there because i love anecdotes i personally i think i get more from anecdotes than i do from the science because I just feel like there's so many issues with studies, whatever. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people report this total difference between being 100% carnivore and being carnivore-ish. And a lot of people will say like something different metabolically is happening, especially with weight. Like a lot of people will say once I went 100% carnivore, I started losing weight and I was eating way more calories. But it was like when I was mostly carnivore with some veggies, I was still struggling. Like where do you think that comes from? I'm glad you asked. So I 100% agree with some of that. So I have a friend, Laura Spath, mm-hmm. that she's on Instagram, lost half her body weight. She looks like a different person. Yeah. Amazing. She's going to be in the film. She could not lose weight and stick to it until she went 100% carnivore. And then within, she tried keto. She tried all the things. Mm-hmm. She did that, but she was, she was someone with food addictions. And mm-hmm. this was part of it. It was like you strict carnivore, then there was nothing else on the table and mm-hmm. she didn't go off. She talked about it publicly. But she would have these binges. If she had a little, even a little bit of potato or a little mm-hmm. bit of something, then she'd be like, oh, I need carbs. I need mm-hmm. sugar. So some people need to do that. But I don't know. I don't know the answer because I did my own experiments with this because I th- think there might be something special with carnivore mm-hmm. completely. But I don't know if everyone needs to do that. So what Have you I, done 100% carnivore? I did. So yeah. this is my little experiment. So I did sapien. So when I started doing my like, little sweet spot of sapien, which is the high animal foods, so all I would eat is all animal foods, nose to tail, fish, meat, everything, eggs, then fermented vegetables, avocado, mushrooms, and then I would do some onions. Mm-hmm. But that was like all I was eating. I, I didn't. So these are all very low anti-nutrient foods. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the avocado and fermented vegetables, the fermentation gets the bad things out, right? So this is, I. so I did go through a bit of a transition when, mm-hmm. I, when I changed from my old diet, which was just whatever keto type of diet, mm-hmm. into this. I went through a transition. I remember having some like GI stuff. It was just like different. Then I was in my saving world. Then recently I did full carnivore strict, no transition, Mm -hmm. nothing changed, nothing at all. Zero change, no GI, not like I didn't feel like I had more energy. I didn't feel like any of that. And so then I just stopped and then I went back to my sapien and I felt exactly the same Mm -hmm. still. So 
I was just hypothesizing that for someone who is supposedly healthy, that you don't have to be 100% carnivore yeah. to have the magic. It's not like it's magic. I think <laughs> it, it just heals you. And some people need it more than others. And so I almost am encouraging 100% carnivore people to not do, try to do that forever. Like introduce some low and find what works for you. Maybe it's a little bit of mushrooms or, you know, whatever, fermented vegetables, is it avocado, is it mm-hmm. something, cucumbers, olives, like there's some of these things that people should be able to tolerate. And yeah. Again, Dr. Ted Neyman has a great thing. He's like, I want to be anti-fragile. He's like, I don't want to be, become a mess if I eat like an olive, mm-hmm. you know? No, I, that's why I'm like coming off of carnivore because mm-hmm. I'm like, I would have just a little bit of vegetables and totally messed up. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, no. We need to read. And okay, so I was listening to your recent podcast with, I had never heard of this guy before, Alex Leaf. Alex Leaf. So he said some interesting things about how carnivore can affect the microbiome. What did you think about that? Just like totally wiping out the good bacteria and it can never come back? I heard that before him. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I've always been cognizant of that. And I, yeah, I I have not wanted to do that. I I always do include a little bit of plant food. I think it's great. Like, even if it's just like a couple spoonfuls of sauerkraut, mm-hmm. it's like I just feel maybe I'm hedging my bets. Whatever mm-hmm. I'm doing, I just think it's a good idea and that I don't want to. Yeah, I've seen, I don't know. I think it was a study that says that it, certain bacteria went extinct in mm-hmm. the gut biome Yeah, from going strict. How does, have you heard Paul talk about that? I should have brought it up with him. Uh, I, I think he just says no. And he he just he just pointed to a study that said that it increased the alpha diversity. Interesting. You know, he's like, oh yeah, but then there's this study that you know. How I feel about carnivores, I feel like it could totally work, but I feel like once you do that, it's like you have to stay there forever. Yes, like you're trapped. To, yeah, yeah, it's like you're trapped, and I think just it goes back to how do you want to live, right? Yeah. Well, I think people should do do their healing mm-hmm. and then come back to sapien. Yeah. Like cut, that's what I'm doing. Exactly. Just just find just don't get trapped forever. Mm-hmm. I just don't I just introduced this to Paul a while ago. Like I've been yeah. friends with Paul for a year and we talk all the time and I bounce stuff off him and yeah. he it was the first time that when I told him I I kind of keep plant foods just so that I am able to tolerate them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean because in yeah. this, this social situation I'm like, "Hey, I'm going to have a pizza." That's what I'm saying. I that's have, not a plant food. Well, that's just a junk food. You're right. So uh, just maybe it's stupid that I want to include pizza in my <laughs> diet once in a while. But I can because I keep my gut microbiome, yeah. you know, diverse. I actually enough. think it's sometimes that stuff. For me, it was interesting when I was full carnivore and then adding things back in. The easiest things to add back in where I can have like processed paleo foods like bars and paleo bread i fine and mm. like coconut butter but it's harder for the vegetables mm. it's it, which was very interesting to me well maybe vegetables aren't all they're cracked up to yeah be. maybe not maybe not well why do you think mm. the animal based is better than like regular keto i think the main reasons well there's nutrient density mm-hmm. which is a factor because you can be keto and have low nutrient density this kind of goes back to eating on both sides of the diet Mm-hmm. I don't think you can. You're gonna have as a nutrient dense as of a diet if you're on that low fat mm-hmm. side. You know, if you're getting only potato, if you're like an Okinawan living on tons of sweet potatoes, and then they have a little bit of fish and a little bit of vegetables. Mm-hmm. I think a more nutrient dense approach is with a high animal foods. You know, just eating nose to tail. Mm-hmm. I think you'll get more nutrition from the more animal foods. So I think that's a huge 
number one, the huge thing is the nutrient density. You're getting mm -hmm. all the fat soluble vitamins. You're, you know, if you're getting low fat, how are you getting some of mm -hmm. these vitamins? You're getting more of the organs and all these different things if mm -hmm. you're in fish and omega threes and DHAs, all that kind of stuff. And two is satiety. So I, I guess it's just those two main things. It's the nutrient density and it's satiety. Because mm -hmm. I, I think satiety is the most important thing in the diet world because people, well, people, I don't know. Well, people don't even know the term. It just means being full, right? Yeah. Some people don't even know the term, but some people don't focus on enough because they're just like count your calories and it's people are like white knuckling it mm -hmm. and trying to to lose weight. And so everyone can lose weight. People can lose weight on any diet. We all know this. Mm -hmm. There's the, the classic Twinkie diet. You know, people, mm -hmm. the guy who lost weight eating Twinkies. We know this, but he was starving and he felt terrible. Mm -hmm. So really satiety is all that matters when you're trying to lose weight because it's the only way to make it sustainable. We're going to take a brief pause from today's episode because I want to tell you about one of my favorite companies in the world, Four Sigmatic. I use Four Sigmatic's products every single day and they've made a huge difference in my life. You've probably heard that functional mushrooms have so many potential health benefits from immunity, energy, longevity, cognitive enhancement, stress management, and more. And functional mushrooms have been used for centuries. A lot of people just don't know how to use them. And that's why I love Four Sigmatic. They make drinking mushrooms and superfoods delicious and easy to do with their mushroom coffees, mushroom superfood blends, and mushroom elixirs. You just have to mix one of their single serve packets with a cup of hot water or nut milk. You can also add them into smoothies or shakes or even pour them on top of your food. And they're the highest quality out there. They're all made with wildcrafted or log-grown and certified organic mushrooms. And everything is tested for pesticides, heavy metals, irradiation, mycotoxins, and other factors. I like to start my morning off with their matcha latte mix or their mushroom coffee. I love that because it gives me the coffee without the jitters. There's only 50 milligrams of caffeine per serving. And I get the boost of the lion's mane for my brain. And then throughout the day, I'll have the cordyceps if I want extra natural energy without any caffeine or if I have an extra hard workout. I'll have the chaga if I want a boost in my immune system. Or I'll have the lion's mane if I want even more support for my memory and concentration if I'm really in the work zone. And then I like to finish off my day with their reishi, which is amazing for reducing stress and promoting sleep. Or I'll have their mushroom hot cacao mix, which is mixed with that reishi. These elixirs are so delicious and you're getting extra health benefits. I cannot recommend them enough. And if you want to try them out, just go to foursigmatic.com CRW and use my code CRW for 15% off. Again, that's foursigmatic.com, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash CRW and use my discount code CRW for 15% off. Now I'm going to get back to my cup of Four Sigmatic and I'll let you hop right back into this interview. So like carnivore, I have less satiety on carnivore because I'm such a volume eater. And so I think that can be an issue for some people who really like volume. And I think that's why some diets that are high in vegetable matter work for people because it's like they don't feel full unless there's that's volume. That's an interesting one. And I've been thinking about this and I've, I've heard that some people, I think if you go 100% carnivore, sometimes without any plant foods, mm -hmm. people have a problem with satiety. I've I have a major problem. And I actually was looking into my genes. I was talking to Christy about this. Yeah. And I have this SNP. It's like 10 to 20% of people where I have poor saturated fat metabolism. Mm. And I'm like, I think that's why I feel so freaking mm. hungry when I eat carnivore. Like my, my autoimmune like symptoms go away, but I'm hung I'm hungry. I can eat five pounds of meat and I'm like, I'm starving. 
That's really interesting. It's crazy, yeah. Try, but then have you eaten a little other stuff? Like had a Well, little, now I'm switching it, yeah. Have you, I think there's something to it, having a little mm-hmm. fermented vegetables with it or a little avocado, something changes. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But then now the, it is interesting to think about that, that volume part. Yeah. Be, but you can still have high volume foods and be 90% animal. Because those, if you have like these, like lettuce uh-huh. can provide a lot of volume, but not a lot of calories. Yeah. So someone has a huge salad and a two huge... pieces and two beef patties. Yeah. You're, you're into it. That's you're the like, satiety. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But there's also a difference between satiation and satiety. Actually, mm-hmm. Christy, who we're mentioning is, mm-hmm. she's a science writer. She writes for Dom. She works with me at for Sapien. She kind of let me know the difference. You can be you can have satiation temporarily mm-hmm. but satiety is the long lasting so this is kind of going back to people who are frequently eating mm-hmm. you know these vegetarians that are, are vegans they're having to eat like six times a day they fill up their stomachs but then they're hungry again a couple yeah. hours later so i'm more interested in this long-term satiety but like i think that there's a problem though because if you're a volume eater in the moment you want to eat more mm-hmm. but i think so many people have reported to me that and I've experienced is if you eat these high animal foods and fat, you are full mm-hmm. for a long period of time, but maybe just initially, cause if you're used to eating tons, mm-hmm. it's a little hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think also a lot of people who are eating high volume, are eating super low protein and fat. So it's like, as soon as they get enough, they're like, Oh my God. Like for me to eat two steaks is easy. Right. But for mm-hmm. someone who's coming from a vegan diet, they see one steak and they're like, I can't finish this. Never, yeah. Right. It's, I think it, a lot of it depends where you're coming from. Absolutely. So let's talk about vegan diets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You've never tried a vegan diet. I have not. I So I don't know if I've self-selected myself into this world because I've not eaten a meal without meat since I can when my brain came online mm. when I was about whatever, seven years old. Since I can remember, <laughs> I remember it's, if it's not a meal, if it doesn't have meat in it. Wow. Interesting. Where'd you learn that? It's just my nature. I just <laughs> like I remember being in you know in high school. I was like, this is not a like. Where's the meat? What what island were you on? Oahu. I feel like Hawaii is. It, when I was there recently, I'm like, it's kind of hard to find. There's so many acaifals and fruit. I was having uh, a hard time with protein. That's just a little trend. No, really, it's just protein and rice. Yeah, that's all they like. You can get a plate lunch, and they have. Oh, it's just based on meat and then rice. How do you feel about rice? Well. If you're, it's all the context. If you're, you know, you know, people know Stan Efferding. It's like mm-hmm. a big bodybuilder type guy. He, or powerlifting guy. He's Vertical his, diet. Vertical diet. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like animal base and some rice. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you want that, if there's a need for it and because you're training a lot, but most people don't need that because they're mm-hmm. not, you know, benching 700 pounds. Yeah. Okay. So main arguments for a vegan diet would be. Against it or for why people say that they like it oh i don't know you tell okay, me against, I think let's go against it okay yeah. what nutrient density environment and what was the other one oh the nutrition about? argument the environment and the ethics okay so i just did a presentation on this so let's roll through it okay, okay. nutrition the nutrition side so this is so i think vegans they try to back into nutrition i think really they're for the environment and for the animals. Mm-hmm. And then they try to like make up some stuff mm-hmm. to, to back into nutrition. And they pretend they do it nutritionally. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the good vegans I know, at least <laughs> the good vegans, <laughs> the good ones, they they kind of know it's not nutritionally as good, uh-huh. but they do it for. Have you ever had a vegan on your podcast? I did. I, I well, it was my other podcast called Sapien. 
and I had a vegan woman come in from Las Vegas and she was a kind of triathlete woman and mm-hmm. she brought her blood work and we talked for an hour and it was, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. She didn't really have any big counterpoints other than it works for me and I've only done it for a year and a half. And I said, well, yeah. let's see what happens. But I think those are the only people that it works well for are these athletes. And those are the best mm-hmm. examples, you know, these rich roles and the something SLT rip SLT, whatever those guys are in game changers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they are these people who do a lot of exercise. And so they have to eat so many calories to get enough nutrition. So you said nutrient density mm-hmm. to get enough nutrition out of all these plant foods. You have to eat so much of them. Mm-hmm. And so these people who do triathlons, maybe they can get enough nutrition. Mm-hmm. So, but if you're looking at an average person, they're, it's about the protein to energy ratio or the nutrient to energy ratio. Plant foods, by definition, do not have a high nutri- nutrient to calorie ratio. Mm-hmm. So you have to eat a lot of them. So the people who do well are these athletes and most people who don't do well on vegan diets because they're sitting around and they to get enough protein and micronutrients, they're having to eat so many calories, yeah. right? So the, the, the animal foods have a high nutrient density to them so you you don't have to eat as much to get all the good protein and nutrition Mm -hmm. so that's the main knock on vegan or plant-based diets is almost by definition like ted Naiman again does a great job of explaining this showing this there's like different levels it's like the first the plants are at the bottom then it's the herbivores and it's the carnivores right it's like the the there's these different trophic levels and the nutrition goes up as you go i think that a lot of the vegan like there's a lot of misunderstandings about health. Like I've told this story on the podcast before, but last time I was in Boulder, I was like walking down the street and there's all these vegans with TV screens showing animals being slaughtered. And I started recording it cause I was going to post about all mm-hmm. my stories. And this one guy comes up to me and he's like, what do you think about this? He was like trying to start a conversation. I'm like, all right, here we go. And he's, and we're kind of arguing and he's like, do you know what cholesterol is? And I was like, do you know what cholesterol mm-hmm. is? He's like, yeah, cholesterol is what kills you and gives you heart disease. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, and he really believes this, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then he was like, well, my blood work is perfect. And I've been vegan for however many however many yeah. years. He's like, I could do 10 pull-ups. I'm like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> and, I, and then I was like, well, your blood work is great according to like what standards? Have you seen like a functional doctor, an integrative doctor? And he was like, what's that? And I'm like, uh-huh. I can't even have this conversation with you. I'm like, do you understand that your body creates its own cholesterol? And he was like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, oh my God. All right. Right. So I think that there's just like a lot of misunderstandings with people. They, yeah, they go down, they have their little world yeah. and they have their influencers and their heroes and Dr. Griegers of the world that just, yeah, they don't give them all the information. So they learn this little narrative mm-hmm. and then they're stuck in that world. So again, when I'm trying to look at all sides of nutrition and not have any holes poked in my arguments, that's what they never do. Mm-hmm. So you could ask me and and talk about any population, about any cholesterol, any nutrient, anything, and I could tell you why it worked. And they can't. Like yeah. they, they, there's big holes, or they put the blinders on. What do you think about some people who go keto or carnivore, and their LDL is just like super high? Yeah. Well, yeah, the lean mass hyper responders. So just yeah. Well, that's one version. Is yeah, these people. Dave Feldman's a guy who has a, a group and studies this type of stuff. And I think I'm kind of one of those a little bit. My LDL didn't go very that high, but there's these people that have every single biomarker is great. Their mm-hmm. body is great. Body composition, everything's amazing. And then the one thing is LDL. Yeah. So do you think it matters? I can't say because mm-hmm. I don't think we know for sure, but I 
my personal opinion is that it does not matter and i'm not worried about it but that's just my personal opinion and i want to give people medical advice yeah don't worry (laughs) i prefaced it well it's an intro (laughs) yeah so it's just that okay i i argue with people about this too it's like why would 99 things get better and then one thing get worse yeah and yeah there's good science though this i mean i would just tell people listen to say dr malcolm kendrick Mm. or Dr. Brett Schur is a cardiologist or Nadir Ali is another doctor who's, I think he's a cardiologist, but there's lots of like legit doctors, don't listen to me, that study this stuff and will tell you that it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I think there's just a lot unknown about it. Like we don't know yet, you know? Okay. So nutrient density covered with animal foods. Mm -hmm. Next. Well, there's more to the nutrition argument, but it's well, we could leave it at that. I mean, what else do you want? Some of it, well, no, no, some of it's just preference, though. A lot yeah. of it's personal preference. So you can. So other than nutrient density, maybe you can formulate a, a plant-based diet. But if you have oysters, so this is. Going back I think to, you totally can. Yes, it's preference. Yeah, and it's always per, people's gut. Yeah. And two, it's like I think the carnivore community gets a little crazy about demonizing every single anti-nutrient diet. Oh my God, there's oxalates, lectins, which I think is very true. Yeah. And I do pick low anti-nutrient plant foods, but it's to the point where we think that if there's one tiny bit of oxalate in something that it's poison, you can never eat it. Yeah. But if you're healthy, if people are healthy, they can tolerate these Mm -hmm. small things and they could be a hermetic stress. They could be fine. Mm -hmm. People go a little overboard because this is one of those things where people put blinders or they don't see all sides. The carnivore community does that when I'm like, okay, well, what about all these populations that eat high plant food yeah. diets? How are they okay? Yeah. Why aren't they dying from the oxalates and yeah. from the, you know? So that's why I don't want to be in one of those camps. Yeah. That- uh, no, I agree. I agree. I think it's really important to always like look for the opposing argument. Like yeah. when I was in carnivore, I was like, trying to find people on the internet who had let, who went from like carnivore keto to vegan just to like here. And there are a lot of people who like felt way better. Really? Yeah. I found a good amount of people who said that, which I think is interesting. I think, I mean, everyone's just so different, but it doesn't change the fact that, I mean, I don't think it's possible to be on a vegan diet your entire life and be healthy. No. Like you have to get the nutrients from, even need- if it's a small amount of animal foods, like you need it. Hundred percent. So and yeah, even if it's so, this is Denise Minger. She eats a very weird diet because she had this personal experience that she talked about when choking on a piece of meat when she was young and mm-hmm. w- was part of why she went vegan. Wait, I think she's the, actually. I think she's the one who I was reading with who who was talking about carbosis. Maybe I actually think it was she's her. She's super smart. She she debunked the China study. She wrote like a yes, epic. it was her. Yeah, yeah. she yeah. debunks a lot of stuff. She's really great. Mm-hmm. So she's also in the film. So we're bringing this story in. Mm-hmm. But she also told me about her diet. We had these long phone calls like a couple of years ago, and mm-hmm. you know, like I said, it changed the way I thought about things because she's she's super savvy with this stuff. Mm-hmm. She she's she knows about nutrient density. She knows all this stuff. She says. I don't like meat just because my personal experience. Mm -hmm. So I've developed this nutrient dense diet that's on the opposite side of the spectrum from you. Mm -hmm. And it's a high, she doesn't eat grains, sugars, vegetables. She eats tubers, fruits, vegetables, oysters, and liver. Mm -hmm. Super weird, right? I don't Mm -hmm. know if anyone's going to eat that diet, but it's actually nutrient dense and it's actually just fine. Like she's not eating any of the bad things. Right, it's plant based, you could say, but mm-hmm. she's getting vital, vital nutrition 
from the super nutrient-dense oysters and liver. Yeah. Well, okay, going back to that, the other thing, though, with carnivore is, like, how that affects, like, leptin. I know for me, it really messed up my leptin sensitivity. It was like I needed an insulin spike. I need tubers to reset that. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it could be female stuff. Yeah. It could be female stuff. stuff. I, as a male, I just say <laughs> it's all stuff to me. <laughs> no, it, it's, yeah, your individual. Yeah. It could be maybe if you get used to it too. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, maybe, or maybe, I, I don't know. I don't think everyone should be, I don't, I'm not a carnivore person. Yeah. Really. I'm, You're a sapien. I'm sapien all the way. I mean. I, everyone thinks I'm carnivore, but I'm always saying like, I don't think we need to be hundred percent carnivore. I want a yeah. little bit of insulin. I will. Yeah. I don't, I mean, okay. We want, we want, <laughs> we want two modes in life. We want longevity mode and growth mode. Yeah. I'm trying to develop some ideas around this stuff. Right. And it's like, I'm, you know, you listen to all these different people like Peter Tia and he's yeah. obsessed with longevity, but I don't super smart, mm-hmm. but he has his own ideas. We, we want some, growth mode at sometimes yeah. so it's like i would purposely overeat protein or have some mm-hmm. potatoes or something if i'm gonna work out mm-hmm. and i wanted signals to my body to get stronger and build muscle but then the rest of the time i don't mm-hmm. and i want to be in the longevity mode and then i won't eat carbs and i'll be in ketosis mm-hmm. so i think that's the best of both worlds you're not worried about too much animal protein making you absolutely not <laughs> no no see that's the thing with it's like the mtor people like dive mm-hmm. into it's like igf1 and mm-hmm. mtor and all these little things and really i think the story is yeah don't eat, be eating tons of protein all the time yeah and that if we're eating one to two a lot of people in our world are eating one to two meals a day mm-hmm. so we're only getting that mtor yeah. in appropriately mm-hmm. and then it's funny because the plant-based people who are trying to point their finger at mTOR or IGF-1 they're raising their these things mm-hmm. way more often than us because carbohydrates will raise it more mm-hmm. right and if you're eating this six meals a day then you're doing the opposite yeah well I also think to Ted Naiman's point it's about how frequently are you mm-hmm. spiking insulin Right, like that makes sense to me. Frequent, that's all. So like, maybe you want to be high carb, but like, can you can you eat it less often? Yeah, so Better do it in a smaller eating yeah. window or just once. So I've seen a lot of success, especially with this CrossFit community. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I know people who've gained, put on a lot of muscle, and they'll they'll eat just the carbs once a day around the workout, mm-hmm. and they say they have better workouts, and they say they can build more muscle. Yeah, but yeah, it's only once a day. Yeah, so I think that's a that's another option too. Okay, do you have any? Other points you would like to make about the nutrition argument? Oh, not really. Yeah, I, I think we, we could go to the next one. It's just, yeah, it's about preference, about nutrient density. It's about what you avoid. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you can. So, my sapien framework, which is bigger than sapien diet, includes a Denise Minger diet. <laughs> yeah. It could include a pescatarian diet. So, yes. It's I th- the whole foods. I don't yeah. think, yeah. my And if you do satiety and nutrient density correct, mm-hmm. then you can do any ratio of animals to plant foods. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's just harder to do if you're low animal foods, I think. Yeah. So then, the, yeah. So the next thing is the environment, which we're not going to have time to cover. But excuse oh. me, <laughs> don't tell me how to run my podcast. <laughs> I mean, I, we could be here till tomorrow. Give me. Are a, you going to stay? Or? No, give me a brief run. OK. <laughs> I didn't say I wasn't going to cover it, but like to truly uncover environment. No, we're not. We're not going to dive deep, but you can give an overview. I want to let people know that. What, which podcast episode of yours do you want to refer to? 
Uh, I think there's three. So it's Dr. Frank Mitloner. Mm-hmm. He's a, works at UC Davis. He's a professor. He studies all this stuff, and he's great at debunking all this. So I would definitely go there. There's Dr. Sarah Place, mm-hmm. who also studies this. I've talked to also farmers like, doc, uh, not doctor, just Gabe Brown. So <laughs> Gabe Brown's a great one to uh, listen to, too, if you want to see someone doing it. He's, this, this is part of the story. So he has a 5,000-acre farm. That's a big farm, and he he's doing things well. Instead of, he's using animals and plants growing together. Mm-hmm. And this, so that's a big environmental story. Here's the, the top highest view. It's for one that animals are not bad for the environment. It's, it's how we use the animals. Mm-hmm. There's a whole phrase like it's the cow, not the how. Mm-hmm. Or it's a how. Sorry. It's the how, not the cow. <laughs> right? And, the, and I think a, a big story to kind of understand is that plants mostly take away from the soil and animals give back to the soil. Mm-hmm. So if you kind of think of that, there's no real way to do a, a plant-based – Yeah, I don't know what the vegan plan is. Just get rid of all animals. Like yeah. where are we going to get our fertilizer from? fossil fuel based see this is part of the problem is we're doing fossil fuel based fertilizers adding to the problem not only from you know getting the from the ground and and getting into the air but also poisoning the environment right with all the runoff and all these kind of things so so people should know that plants take away animals give back mm-hmm. and they could use plants and animals together so gabe brown does this on a giant farm and he uses animals together and it works, and he doesn't use any outside inputs anymore. He doesn't use uh, pesticides and fungicides and all this stuff. He, I don't even think he has to buy fertilizer anymore. He has all the animals. So that's the story is that industrial agriculture is bad. So it's, it's funny. It's like okay, industrial agriculture on both sides is bad, mm-hmm. animal and plants. We're mm-hmm. doing monocrops. It's terrible. So what, what's, what's so messed up is that these plant-based advocates will say, okay, so use it, doing – confined animal feeding operations CAFOs is bad so let's make a huge jump and just say all meat is bad cows are bad let's eat fake foods mm-hmm. okay that's insane how about you just say instead of doing <laughs> confined animal feeding operations let's just leave them on the grass yeah if we just leave them on the grass then it, it goes from a negative to a positive yeah and we're not doing all this fake food and all this shipped in from all over the countries and chemicals and fertilizers and processing and all we do is we leave the, cow, the cows on the grass. Mm-hmm. And there's studies that show this. White oak pastures famously was studied and they sequester more carbon than they emit. So yes, cows do emit some methane, but they put more carbon back into the soil through these practices. It's mm-hmm. regenerative agriculture. It's rotational grazing. It's using cover crops. It's not leaving the soil bare. It's you know always keeping cover crops on and then the animals can eat these cover crops yeah and and they help the environment they so it's it's so weird how they just make these extreme versions of things when cows are not the problem it's just how we raise them yeah well and it's also like okay are you driving a car are you flying in airplanes like i think we have bigger issues too it's funny because i feel like the more i learn about i'm not an expert in this at all but the more i learn about the environmental and ethical arguments, the more I would rather lean towards a carnivore-based diet with yeah. like focusing kill, on regenerative agriculture. You're killing less animals. Killing less animals. You're so. helping the soil. Mm-hmm. So there's the environmental side. So the, you, you could throw out all kinds of statistics mm-hmm. about, I'll see if I can remember a few, but all cows spend the first two-thirds of their life on grass, mm-hmm. no matter what, even if they go to a confined animal feeding operation then. Mm-hmm. These 
operations actually aren't that bad. They're well taken care of. They, you know what I mean? They're not like tortured. Some people have this vision. They're in a cage. They're actually, they're not in a cage. They're just like grouped together and they're on dirt, which isn't great, but it's not that bad. I've seen them, but uh, 88% of the food a cow eats over the course of its life is not edible to humans. So they're not taking away from our food supply. That's mm-hmm. a complete myth. It's not like they're eating leftover corn stalks and byproducts of ethanol. So we grow corn to make ethanol mm-hmm. and then they eat the byproducts. They, we, they eat brewer's yeast. They eat leftover stuff from beer. They eat grass. Right. They eat, right? These are, <laughs> these are things that we couldn't use otherwise. Yeah. And humans can't eat them. This whole vegan myth, this propaganda, they're mm-hmm. taking it, you know, it's like, oh, just eat the food directly. We can't. Yeah. <laughs> like they're eating leftover stuff. They're eating grass. They're, yeah. they're upcycling. We can't eat grass. They're mm-hmm. doing a beautiful job here. And they're, they're keeping that grass. You, you don't eat grass? <laughs> no. I mean, that's why I stopped eating salads too. It's like, I feel like a cow. I'm like, I'm not a cow. I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> oh my God. So there's that. They're not taking away from our food. They actually, if you actually look at the protein, the bioavailable protein, the cows double the amount of bioavailable protein to humans from what they eat. So that means of all the protein that they eat in their life, because grass and all this stuff they eat doesn't have much protein anyway, they double it mm-hmm. by giving it to us in a bioavailable form, mm-hmm. right? So, but then the, the vegan side, they're like, they do do some, you know, weird tricks and say, oh, like, look at how much they eat and they're doing it by calories. And then it's like, oh, the beef, you know, a steak out of a hundred grams of protein, you have to use like 1000, you know what I mean? Wait, 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 wait. just because you brought that up. Can we talk about? James Wilkes v. Chris Cresser oh my God. on Joe Rogan about the goddamn peanut butter sandwich. That was ridiculous. Well, the whole thing was ridiculous. <laughs> the whole thing was ridiculous. They, well, they spent like oh, 30 minutes on that sandwich. Yeah. But th- he was wrong. So Paul Saladino and I did a podcast together, two and a half hours. There's a whole list of resources. We did tons mm-hmm. of studies and broke it down so someone could find that podcast. And I put a, did an article as well on sapien.org. So... Yeah, all of it. We looked up some of his references, and they were bogus. Mm-hmm. The, the he got the wrong. Like they were talking about the DS score, and there's like the PDCast score, and yeah, you, if you dig into all that stuff, James Wilkes is wrong. That that the, the animal protein is more bioavailable. Have That's, you tried interviewing him? Me and Paul called him out over a hundred times, and we got zero responses. What do we call him out? We tagged him, tagged messaged him on Twitter and Instagram. So over a hundred mm-hmm. times on between us and we got zero answer mm. so it's avoiding you yeah i mean well i he would be insane to come back on he he, he was he did a good stunt it was like a stunt it was yeah. like a fight. <laughs> yeah he did his thing and then he left and he's like peace i'm out yeah. like if, if he came back he would get destroyed yeah. because we actually looked up his references we you know what i mean yeah. we, we broke it all apart but yeah, so disappeared. Okay, okay. So environmental Sorry, got, side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Envi- go back to environment, or did you want to move to ethical? They're tied together. Yeah. But the the ethical side, yeah. What's the alternative? I think the ethical side is you have to factor in what's the alternative to growing food. We need food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All food has input. Okay, here's the big ethical side though. For something to live, something has to die. That's the number one ethical argument. You you did vegans don't understand for something to live something has to die there's no way around it mm-hmm. you can try to you know lessen it or do other things but you know there's actually more deaths like you said if you do yeah. it, there's more deaths as you're talking about smaller animals so it's like what's more important to you is it the ground nesting squirrels and rabbits and baby deer and mice that get chopped up or starved to death 
when you're doing animal agriculture is that there's thousands and thousands of those that die per whatever of food mm -hmm. compared to one, one animal, cow, yeah. one cow that could die. So th there's a huge story there. But just just know that for something to live, something has to die somehow, right? Well, it's interesting. It's an interesting thought experiment because people don't care much don't care as much about those smaller animals. Like for a lot of people, it'd be really hard for them to go out and kill a cow, like to take, yeah, and, like you know, and just a bolt yeah, gun or like yeah, yeah, and kill a cow. But a lot of people will smash a fly, yeah, absolutely. Or, or step on a bee, right? So I don't know. It's it's strange. But if you believe a life is a life, then you should be go carnival. Yeah, and I also think my thing though is like, I'm sorry, I do think there's a hierarchy of animals. I think as a human we're the most what important the, animal and it's yeah. like if we're not taking care of ourselves like at the end of the day that's the most important thing like for this world to survive we have to have healthy humans yeah and i think animal-based nutrition is the the best mm -hmm. so yes it's, it's kind of a <laughs> it's circular the it's the best it's the best for humans so yeah if you the nutritional side is huge when you're talking about this because mm -hmm. i think we see america and how messed up our health is and then how great of an improvement we can have if everyone starts eating better mm -hmm. and i think yeah we need more animal foods to do that we need if we had more animal foods less of the you know processed trash then we would save so much money and yeah like our healthcare system would turn upside down would you ever uh do a vegan experiment i don't I mean, if I had to, I just I I just haven't eaten a meal without meat ever, so I don't know how I would start. I would something. You would never be had mac and cheese as a kid. I mean, I yeah. PB and J sandwich. Since I'm telling you, since I was since I remember, mm -hmm. maybe before, yes, I'm sure I did, but I never have purposely <laughs> selective <done> memory. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, I'd always want something else. It's just interesting. I would just be curious. I mean, I'm a big believer in cycling everything personally. Like, yeah. I think it makes sense that's why i like i like to switch between different diets and people are like confused of what i am and i'm like i'm yeah. fucking everything a potato <laughs> diet and then i'm carnivore right but i think it makes sense for there to be periods of like yeah maybe you killed an animal and all you're eating is animal foods and then there's not an animal so now i'm eating plants today like that it could makes be. sense to me i try to do that i cycle that maybe in the weekly this is what i'm curious to know mm -hmm. is I know we ate seasonally, and mm -hmm. yes, we ate all different things, and there was times of scarcity. Well, that's also why I think the vegan diet is a fallback diet. Yeah, like it should not. It is not the, you know, optimum diet. It's there. We I think we humans developed a way to exist just fine on this fallback diet. Mm -hmm. But it's just confusing to me why people choose the fallback diet. They're like, yes, I know it's possible. Yes, you Preference. can. But yeah, but it's just is it ideal? Okay, but then back to the, the cycling over the seasons or over the course of months and time of scarcity. I kind of do that with the weekend almost. <laughs> Where, yeah, yeah. I mean, It seems like you're backing into nutrition again, there. Yeah. I was going to say that. I was going to call myself out that yeah. I am backing into it where maybe I am plant-based because, I mean, I went to this event. Okay, let's not no, go no, that no. far. Like for, for a meal, for a day. Like maybe I am plant-based for a, a day or a mm -hmm. meal because if you go, like we went to this, event and there was it was just pizza it was mm -hmm. all there was was pizza and most people that's like a heavenly event yeah <laughs> but so all if you look at pizza and there was there was pepperoni then there was like some kind of like veggie thing there was like this sort of like you know one of those those uh, caprizi type things and mm -hmm. i was like wait there's not that much meat this is a plant-based meal this is 90 this is like 90 percent yeah. flour and 
oh, actually the cheese is okay. But it's thin cheese. But there's all these veggies on it and there's all this bread. So. Okay. Yeah. Two questions. First, is dairy in your sweet spot of sapien? Raw, full fat dairy would be. Okay. I think that's. Do you actually consume that? Or yeah. is that theoretical? No, I do. Yeah. Or I'll do cheese. Yeah. I'll do, or like fermented. I think fermented dairy, which is cheese or yogurt. Okay. Yeah. Because that. But if it's raw, I think it, it is totally fine for most people. Okay. Also, so have you ever had a smoothie? I, okay. I did <laughs> two, three years of smoothies. Three years? Three years. My first three so years. So you have had meals without meat. You're right. <laughs> I don't even consider it a meal. Okay. So this is my journey. I just blew up your wow. whole story. It's a snack. <laughs> That's interesting. So. My first, so you know, I have my like six year journey. It's the first three years I did. I was on that kale and spinach shake yeah. type of thing. And How'd I think that, that I initially felt great. So I understand. Yeah. People, you cut out bad food and I started eating this and you're eating all, you're getting all these greens or like micronutrients and all that. You're like, oh, I feel so amazing. And then that, yeah, I did that for so long. I swore by them, but I think I got oxalate problems. I was Probably. spinach and kale like, and you know, low sugar smoothies like every day mm-hmm. before as like, I, I guess it was a, I don't know if you call it a snack or what it was, uh, you know. Was it your breakfast? It was my breakfast. Yeah. And then I'd have lunch and, and dinner. Mm-hmm. So I had like two and a half meals a day. And <laughs> then when just I was trying to skirt around the fact that I just you, <laughs> called you, got you out. I think you got it. And it, it was and then when I cut them out, that's part of how I lost the weight. I think it's not good to just process things down that Or was it that you cut out the calories? I mean, so many things. Yeah. There's so many. I cut out the anti-nutrients. I cut I out the calories. I think it's just rough on the gut, too. Like, that's what I was going to say. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it's also you're just grinding it down, too. Yeah. There's a guy, Gabor Dosi. He's a really interesting guy. I don't know if you've come across mm-hmm. him yet. Check, I did a podcast with him. He's from somewhere else and it might be hard to understand him yeah but he's it's super interesting the level of processing matters i got really into the the level of processing foods and how it affects your gut differently not just the gut gut but like the hormones of Mm -hmm. the gut like there's gip and glp and like people like all these things that end up uh affecting your satiety hormones too like it affects ghrelin and interesting and and maybe leptin and it um I, i gotta brush up on it but Wait, because of the, what the foods contain or just because it's liquid? The, that, the amount of processing, breaking oh, down oh, the cell walls. Oh, okay, I see. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. That makes sense to me. Well, this is the most interesting study. I hope I get it correctly. There is a mice or rat study where they gave them the same food. So they have the right, the rat chow mm-hmm. and it was the same macro, you know, same everything. They had the, it was in pellets or something or whatever whole food version. Mm-hmm. And then they had a, they ground it. They ground it down version. Exact same thing. Both groups had the, you know, same calories, same time, meal timing. The ones with the ground up rat chow got obese and the other ones didn't. What? That's so interesting. Yeah. I, gotta, I need to find gonna, that. You gotta, gotta look send that at, to I'll me. show it to you. Look up the Gabor Dosi episode. Okay. Peak Human is my podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> plug. Plug it. Well, I gotta, if I'm talking about it, people yeah. have to know what I'm talking yeah. about. So it, it's a, a long ways back, but it's super interesting. And he's talking and he gives all the evidence for it. There's a presentation on YouTube. Mm-hmm. about it too and you can see that the level of processing matters if you want to be lose the most weight eat foods in the most whole form mm-hmm. this is another thing of the unifying things of nutrition is the vegan side and the carnivore side they're eating the most whole foods 
in the most whole form. The, every time you process something down, the, the worse it is for you or the more you can eat of it. And it, so if you want to gain weight, then you could eat like protein shakes or keto bars mm-hmm. or more processed food, peanut butters and stuff like that. Just th- Is that why you're hoarding all those bars <laughs> in your closet? <laughs> exactly. Those are, no, I seriously do eat those yeah. when I want to like eat more. Mm-hmm. Like if I want to eat more, I will eat one of those. I yeah. get all these from conferences and hoard them in a shoebox <laughs> and I'll eat them. Or if I want to be full for like, you know, I'm going on a plane, I'll eat a whole bunch of meat. I'm like, I want more calories. Yeah. So it's like to do the opposite is how you lose weight. You yeah. don't eat the processed foods yeah. and it allow, you'll eat less. So he shows all this great stuff of you know different level of processing. And and people know this too. It's just like the classic example of the apple to the apple juice. Yeah. Right? It's like very different glycemic you know, effect yeah. in your body and blood sugar effect. Yeah. So it's 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 really about break, breaking down the plant the walls, the the cell walls. So it actually when you process down protein, it doesn't matter as much or fat. Oh interesting. It, but it's just the carbohydrate in it, the plant food that yeah. Interesting. Okay. Everyone who's on their green smoothie hype, watch yeah. out. Just watch out. Or blow just, your mind. Or just any pro yeah, any that's just I think that's why pastas and breads and all that stuff is bad for you. It's because it's processed down. I don't think that's the only reason. It's not the only reason. No, it's certainly not the only reason. But it's so, so okay. This might be controversial too. So I don't think that people are super scared of some, oh, it's like, oh, there's food coloring or there's preservatives. Obviously, they're not good. Mm-hmm. But when I say, why are processed foods bad? I think it's because they, are processed, down. they are processed down more than the preservatives or the... I could agree with that. Colorings. I could agree with that because I actually, yeah. No, I could agree That's with that. That's a big reason. So it's people, uh, also it's you're diluting out the protein too. Mm-hmm. If Like this is another kind of Ted Naiman thing is that we're, we're taking all the processed foods. They're like 8%. If you take it, you know, they're like 8% protein. It's like basically you're taking a whole, you're taking out protein because it's the most expensive. It's also, and it's usually the one that spoils the easiest, mm-hmm. right? Meat spoil. And you, so you're taking that out and you're stuffing in the cheapest ingredients, the sugars, flours, and oils to make them more shelf stable mm-hmm. and to make it cheaper, right? So that's why processed foods are, are bad. Yeah. It's, it's they're, you're diluting out the protein kind of. Yeah. And the, yeah. All right. I mean, that makes sense to me. Everything's just so clear now. <laughs> so basically moral of the story is don't eat processed foods. Whole yeah. form. Well, that's it's such a stupid, not stupid, but it's such a simple message that yeah. it seems stupid. That, but it's like <laughs> I need to make a whole film or make a whole podcast series about it. But, yeah. But when it comes down to it, that is all it is. Yeah. So maybe it's just saying well, it no, enough but times. That's not all it is. Not all. Right. Well, because there's a lot of people who eat whole food paleo diets who just still don't feel good. Absolutely. Right? And then you got to go to one side of the spectrum. You got to go to a sliver <laughs> yeah, on the side. A little. Right. Yeah. But it's an entryway, for but that's, sure. That's a small amount of people, though. You're talking about these yeah. people ultra interested in health, and who yeah. Are, but you're ta- we're talking about 88 percent of Americans are yeah. metabolically unwell. Yeah. The, the, the all these people need to figure but it out. But if we ones. if everybody went on a whole foods diet, like big pharma would crash. We're, it would we're completely screwed, crash. So we can't do that. We can't do it. Well, no <laughs> one's going to do it too. It's just not fun. Yeah. To, you know what I mean? It's just I think not it's fun. I think it's fun. Because I figured out a way join the dark side. to do it in a delicious way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If Once you you find out how to do it in a delicious way, it is yeah. fun. Yeah. So if people want to do it in a delicious way, like where should they, where should they go? 
Um, what's what's I what are all your plugs? My plugs, sapien.org, kind of you can mm-hmm. lead from there. Peak Humans, the podcast, Food Lies on social media. Yeah. Food, Food Lies, YouTube, Instagram, whatever. That's about it. But Sapien, can you explain what Sapien is? No one can explain Sapien. It's an ever-evolving thing. Sapien is... fix your messaging. Sapien, well, the problem is it's my company's name. Mm-hmm. And it's also we're trying to build technology and do some health stuff. What kind of technology? We want to help patients, doctors, and health coaches work together and, mm-hmm. and fix their health problems. So we're building tech to allow that, communicate, and track their... So like communication technology or no, like... But more like wearables. To oh, both. wearables. Okay. Yeah. So... Yeah, so they can plug in their if they have type two diabetes, they can do a blood CGM, glucose, CGM. Yeah. They could do ketones. They could do blood pressure, smart scale, all that kind of stuff. Or if you could just do your aura ring, or your, mm-hmm. you could, or you could just track your meal. You, all do kinds. Do you worry of stuff. about EMFs with those though? Not really. Interesting. I I'm, I, I don't think they're good, but I also don't think they're gonna kill us all. Okay. I wear. I have my AirPods right there, but those I think those have very low. EMF. Yeah. But. Yeah, we're so but sapiens also a diet. So yeah. that's the problem is it's confusing. But so the sapien lifestyle is is it, yeah, it's a way to live. It's just the animal based whole foods. It's the way to live. Don't eat all the time. That's uh-huh. it. Okay. Awesome. And where mm. can they find you on Instagram? Food lies. And Food when's lies. when's the movie coming out? Fall. How can we support you? Supposedly. It's on Indiegogo. So through foodlies.org mm-hmm. or you know instagram you can click through and yeah we're still crowdfunding we're doing it all by the people all by the people for, for the, the people, people. <laughs> awesome. Serious. no no comp- no outside investments just that's people. amazing awesome well yeah. if you're listening and you're passionate about getting this message out there please donate we appreciate thank it thank you for that all right <laughs> thanks brian all right good times Huge thank you to Brian for coming on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. He is the best. You can find more from Brian at sapien.org and also on Instagram at food.lies. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you take a screenshot and share it on social media and tag Brian, tag me and tag Wellness Realness Podcast. It really helps to spread the word about the show. And there's high quality information that I think could benefit a lot of people. Don't forget, if you want access to behind the scenes content related to the podcast and my life and business, make sure you request to follow the super secret exclusive Instagram account, Wellness Realness Crew. All you have to do to get access to that account is take a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review for this podcast, Wellness Realness Podcast, and DM that to Wellness Realness Crew and request to follow. And when I get that screenshot in the DMs of Wellness Realness Crew, I will grant you access to the secret page. You can also connect further with other listeners of the show by going to Facebook and searching Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe and joining our free Facebook group. That's going to be it for today's episode. Hope you're having an awesome rest of your day. Make sure you share some love with someone around you and I will chat with you again next episode. Bye.